Hello. Hava. Hello, Hava. <laughs> Your expression of wry affection is on brand for you. I think that might be accurate, yes. How are you, Michael? Oh, sleepy. Yeah, me too. You made me yawn. You bitch. How are you? I'm okay. I'm pretty sick, like, in terms of neurological symptoms. I did a bunch of paperwork for disability yesterday. (sighs) I'm upset about Super Tuesday. To me, there's this really clear ideological difference between Bernie and Biden. I'm applying for disability right now, and Bernie Sanders released his disability plan. He has this phenomenal disability plan. Disabled people would be allowed to get married, live above the poverty threshold, all kinds of awesome stuff. Joe Biden is still open to cuts to Social Security, which is where disability comes from. That's what's really fucking me up today, I guess, is just thinking about like this struggle that's very alive in my own life and how clear a difference it would be between the two and how much that infuriates me when people are like, vote blue no matter who. And it's like Joe Biden is like open to killing me and people like me and Bernie is not. So like, why are you telling me to vote blue no matter who? Uh, well, let's just introduce it. Okay, this is how 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 is how high are you? How high are you right now? I am really high right now. <laughs> Hi, how are you? A podcast that's theoretically Jewish, but we cover yes. everything. That's right. We're the Pan Opticon of podcasts. <laughs> We are not the Panopticon, Michael. We're watching you. Or should I say, Michelle? Oh my god. Yeah, that's a deep cut Foucault pun for you queers out there. My lover has arrived with some tea. Oh, thank you, Anna. Thank you for the tea. (laughs) Hello, lover. Okay, this is Hi, how are you? In exciting podcast news, next week we will be having our first guest on the show oh my god gird your loins for that it's going to be really exciting our podcast finally got approved for apple podcast slash itunes so if you are an apple podcast slash itunes user please go leave us a five-star review put some text in it because if you put text in it it's better for our rating leave us a review it would really mean a lot to me do it people go out rate our podcast with five stars it's your moral obligation i want to clarify the reason it's your moral obligation which i said last podcast is in judaism the poor and disabled are explicitly the responsibility of the community so that's why you're morally obligated to give our podcast a five-star rating and join my patreon uh i'm super disabled so you're morally obligated to keep me alive She is super disabled, and she's also super disabled. (laughs) I don't know. That wasn't funny. Whatever. Also super cute. I am super cute. She is really cute. I'm still in California. I finished playing my gigs. I'm so glad they're over. It was a lot of work. Now I'm podcasting from bed. I'm drinking some tea. Next episode, you will be home and we will be recording with much better audio quality because we'll both be in the same room. Fun news for the patrons. You know, we're working through some different ideas about what to give you guys on the secret feed and uh, more about that coming soon. So true. And also, if you're a patron and you want a sticker, send me a message on Patreon and I will mail you a sticker. 
They're very cute. They have our podcast logo on them. They're very cute stickers. They're pink. They're pink and black, the universal colors of queer anarchism. Are you a cat girl? Boom. The sticker will work for you. Okay. It's the week of Purim still. How many weeks of Purim are there? <laughs> well, last week wasn't really the week of Purim. Purim is actually this coming Monday, I think. Last week, we were pre-gaming for Purim. Now we're full-on gaming. A delicious, anti-fascist Jewish holiday. I love it. It is one of my favorite Jewish holidays. Why is it one of your favorite Jewish holidays, Hava? Everyone gets to dress up in costumes, which is very fabulous. It has very explicit anti-fascist themes. It's about preventing, basically, a fascist uprising. I think that's pretty fucking cool. But also, it's weirdly sexy. Okay, the truth comes out. <laughs> that's right. These are going to be our two sexiest episodes of the year, because Purim is just a very sexy holiday. Last week, we talked about how Esther is this amazing sexual chameleon. No matter what a man wants, she can deliver. It's true. Well, how much more sexiness can we even handle? <laughs> we all know in Esther, in our community, I think we all know a sexy girl like that. Um, fuck. I'm reaching behind me for my Talmud. <laughs> okay, I got it. Okay, so today I wanted to talk about this other thing from Masecha Megillah, Dafyad Gimel, Ramud Bet, from the Tractate of Talmud that is about the reading of the Purim scroll, scroll. And it's the same page that we studied last time, but on the other side, page 13, side B, this little midrash, this little Jewish interpretation that says, when Esther was with Ahasuerus, she was like a sexual chameleon. While she was with him, she also still maintained a relationship with her husband, Mordechai, which might be shocking to you because people usually think of Mordechai as her uncle, but the rabbis of the Talmud Talmud actually thought that he was her husband. But either way, the wild thing is that she was maintaining a sexual relationship with both Mordecai and with Ahasuerus at the same time. She was in an explicitly polyamorous situation. And not just polyamorous, but usually in the Torah, there's all kinds of polygamy where a man is married to multiple different women. This is unique, or I don't know if it's unique, but it's at least special in that it is one woman who's maintaining a relationship with a variety of different men. Whoa, what is the world coming to? <laughs> Does the king of Persia mm -hmm. know that his lady is stooping Mordechai? Mordechai definitely knows that Esther is stooping Ahasuerus because that's like common knowledge. That would be like if your partner was sleeping with Donald Trump as part of an anti-fascist scheme, you would know about that. But I don't know if the knowledge flows the other way because, I mean, why? Why would she tell him? It says in the same section that she immersed herself in the mikvah, the ritual bath, in between her time with Ahasuerus and Mordechai, which is wild to me because nowhere else in the Torah does it tell us, hey, if you're going to sleep with two men, all you have to do is mikvah in between and then you're kosher. But for some reason here, she's like having a spiritual boundary between her two fuckboys. Do we definitely know that Mordechai is in on it? Or could this be like Esther's saving the Jews and she needs to take one for the team and oh, she just needs to do this horrible thing that, oh, why would anyone <laughs> want to do it? I definitely think Mordechai knows because Mordecai encourages her to become the queen. This is a cuckolding hot wifing situation. <laughs> 
Michael. Let me twist it even further by saying in the translation, they say she would arise from the lap of Ahasuerus and go to the lap of Mordecai. But the word they use for lap, which is chaik in Hebrew, chet yud kuf, can actually also mean orifice. So we could... I know, I know, I know. This is a very sexy Purim podcast. We could conceivably say that Esther was hitting both Mordecai and Ahasuerus with the strap. And then she went to wash her strap in the mikvah. Also, we could say that she was a trans woman. Based on this alone, I'm willing to say Esther was a trans woman who was topping Ahasuerus and Mordecai. And she would go to the mikvah to practice good sexual hygiene in between. You heard it here first folks what what <laughs> no <laughs> what Hava, you can't just you just destroyed my brain okay you can't just you can't it's early in the morning i'm in california i'm tired here and you just gotta take my brain and be like Oh my God. Okay. Well, there you go. A couple of reasons I like this. I have a personal like vendetta for proving there's all kinds of sexy, weird and wild queer shit in the Talmud. And that sexy, weird, freaky queers have been around forever. We've been front and center forever. We're not on the edges of history, on the edges of tradition, but we're actually central. This text speaks to that a little bit, which I love. And then also, I just like the idea that they were like a good modern poly couple, you know, with their little like boundaries and negotiations. Okay, like you can sleep with him, but you need to sleep with me like three nights of the week and you need to shower in between and change the sheets. It's very relatable to all the poly queers out there. I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, we definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, at a bare minimum, Esther couldn't be a milk toast suburban wine mom that wouldn't work she wouldn't have the right persona to save the jews unless she was a wine mom who was a secret dominatrix right we're pro yes we're pro that one of our favorite demographics on this <laughs> podcast yeah that's some of our top listeners are secret dominatrixes question 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 so the rabbis make this assertion in the talmud how do we know they're not doing a little shipping a little a little fangirl How do they glean this from the original story where there really isn't a mention of Esther making the rounds? Yeah. How do we know they're not just saying this because they are fangirls for trans tops? The way that the rabbis get to this is they're interpreting a verse that comes from the book of Esther. This is a technique that is found throughout the Talmud called Midrash, where you take a biblical verse and you examine it word by word and you create different interpretations of that verse beyond what it might seem like, obviously. And this technique of Midrash is, I mean, I don't want to say all of our halacha because some of it is just explicit in the Torah, but all the time the rabbis are making interpretation based on verses. And part of the principle of the Talmud is like our understanding, our interpretation of Torah is of the same level of importance as what it obviously says in the Torah. What we interpret the Torah to mean is equally important as what God put in the Torah. 
if you believe that's how the Torah came about. Orthodox Jews would also claim that personal interpretation is just as important as the literal words? Well, my sense is that Orthodox Jews would put a lot of limitations on that. There's sort of two different kinds of Orthodoxy. There's like Orthodoxy as we know it today as a denomination, which has all kinds of rules. And then there's the Orthodoxy of what's in the tradition interpreted in the most rigorous way. And I don't think equating those things does anyone any favors. That's like confusing the modern Democrats with the idea of democracy. They're not the same thing. Maybe this is not the word of God. (laughs) It is at least a Rorschach test, a psychological reflection of what's going on in these rabbis' minds when they're reading this text and maybe what they want to see. Putting aside whether or not you see this as a mystical text that's part of your faith practice. What's going on in our minds and hearts when we look at the text is as important as what the text says on its own. And so according to these old school rabbis, apparently what was really important for them to glean (laughs) from the text is that Esther was double dipping. Yes, Esther was double dipping. This is why I make that whole point about queers being front and central is like, I think some queer rabbi out there had this interpretation. They felt it was important that it get recorded and passed on to posterity, posterior. There's a joke there about butts, but I can't quite make the connection. We're like dropping our hot takes. The Talmud is very sexy. And next week, we're going to move on to Talmudic economics, which, depending on your point of view, may be more or less sexy than our current topic, but it will be different, to say the least. We're going to do some serious economic discussion. We'll try to get you excited about that, too. If any of our listeners have any Talmudic questions they want us to discuss on the air, for now, you can email us at you at gmail.com. That's X-A-I how are you at gmail.com we will read your questions and say stuff about them if they're good they can be about the talmud they can be personal questions about you do you need help yes with a particularly tricky situation and want random internet strangers to uh you know help you out there we are the oracles at delphi you come with us with like should i marry my sweetheart and we'll be like you need to burn an entire bucket of pine incense and sacrifice a goat. I mean, we should all just do that from a self-care standpoint. The government should provide every person a sacrificial goat. Yeah, I mean, if we were in Torah times, that's what the temple was. I mean, they didn't provide the animals. They were the middleman between us and God. They were a clearinghouse for sacrificial animals. Torah times sounds like a awful carnival theme. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. I need to unfollow the Torah hashtag on Instagram. If you are a Jew who believes in Jesus, that's like, okay. But please do not evangelize me on Instagram through the Torah hashtag. Send us questions. Don't evangelize. We're just trying to have fun here, you know. Okay, great. Yes. Join our Patreon. Leave us a five-star review. Email us your questions. Shavuotov. Shavuotov. Goodbye. Goodbye.